0: Visit Hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Hello Hofflings! It's me,
0: Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by Jeremy Cobb, but Lisa from the Slovenly Trolls podcast calls me The American. The most creative the nickname American. I think we've ever had. The American. <laughs> What a way Thanks to describe you! It's just, it's just what you are. It's just <laughs> yes, who and what it, you are. I happen to be the American one on the podcast. the American one. Yeah, but that's I'm not true. the only American the- today.
1: You're not the only American today. We have another American in our midst. Uh, we, Jeremy, I think it's fair to say that we have been excited about having this particular guest on for a minute now. Uh, mm-hmm. We are big, big fans, uh, big, big fans of his, and so excited to welcome to the show a comedian, actor, writer, and professional nerd who <laughs> writes for, let's, let me see if I can get this, the Grand Crew, Twisted Metal, is a writer on Into the Motherland, Y'all know Into the Motherlands, we talk about that all the time. And Apex Freaking Legends, Iffy away how are you doing? Welcome hey. to the show.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Our, st- our fans in the stadium are going absolutely berserk. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm strutting too. Yeah, yeah you're up yeah, on the jumbo nice truck right now. You know, yeah. So feel free to give it some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're playing yeah, Kanye please. West stronger right now. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, an iced
2: mm-hmm. out D20 around my neck. It's like, yes,
0: <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, and someone's gonna come up to you after the
1: show and be like, hey, can I check if your bling is real? And you'll be like, get yeah, the yeah, hell away yeah, from yeah. me. <laughs> and then I try to shoot Kevin Costner. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. Full Prince vibe? Woof. <laughs> let
0: this makes them even more black. It does have an alligator with a pistol in it, though. Brand new yeah! Yeah! On a nat 20. No! my name is Game. And
1: I love We're <laughs> about to get into something real big now. welcome, man. How are you doing today? Thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm ex- so excited to talk to you. It's been a minute. We've been wanting to do this for a while, so very excited I'm to have I'm doing on. well. Uh,
2: I feel like this is the perfect way to start my day today because this evening I'll be doing a TTRPG thing, so I'm just starting the day off with my brain swirling with fun nice. ideas.
1: Amazing. I think actually we had a Bria on who said like the same thing when I remember it was the most chaotic episode we ever did. And Abrea was like, you guys just get to like chill out and go to bed right now. I've got like a full day of work to try and <laughs> deal with whatever the hell just happened <laughs> and if you go back and listen to that episode it is truly bonkers so hopefully oh, wow. we can give you a similar gift uh, yeah. today got my so, bonker ready uh, yeah my bonker is always ready uh so I, we have to start where we always start with our guests which is a bit of an origin story um it can be uh if you can do a kind of a, a bit of a blend of like your origin story as a as a nerd and all the the nerdy st- uh, stuff that you're into and then your origin story for like TTRPGs specifically. Like when was the moment that you were like, ah, ah, damn, I'm hooked. I yeah. love this thing. It's, it's fun.
2: You know? Oh yeah. No, I, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fun because that, that is two different stories because I've always been a nerd turbo nerd. I remember when we first got the family computer and there was this kind of bootleg fighting game and another like adventure game. And I was always into it and I was intrigued by RPGs at a young age, because my cousin had the uh, the Su- Super Mario RPG and refused to let me play. He was like, "It's a saving game." That's what he would always say. Like, you can't play; it's a saving game. And then you know you get to Final Fantasy VII, which you know rocked the oh. world. Yeah, but I was always huge video game nerd. Always loved comics, animes, manga, but I never really got my like hands on TTRPG because you know I went to a catholic school and we were still feeling uh, the remnants of the satanic panic mm-hmm. and i yep. remember the the list that they sent out one was this radio station out here called K-Rock they said that was the devil's music and the <laughs> other and the other thing i saw was dungeons and dragons and I was like, I wonder what that is, but it always seems so elusive. And all I really had mm. was the version of it you'd see on TV, which were people dressed up and they were in a basement. And I was like, okay, well, what
1: is that? And they were probably all white as well. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> of help. course, of
2: course. All
0: white
1: dudes. Yeah. All white so- men, Yeah.
2: So it wasn't until I joined uh, an all-white improv group that I Mm. first started. (laughs) Naturally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, naturally playing
2: D&D. They they told me about it. They invited me over. And they were like, yeah, we're going to play. And I played. And I just loved it. I thought it was amazing. Just had a blast doing it. And after that kind of... I I kind of moved to L.A. and fell out of touch with that group. I really didn't get to play much until I found some other people in the community who wanted to play D&D. And then that just so happens to when I started to get do when I was doing stuff with like Geek and Sundry. And Mm. so I was doing it, you know, casually and professionally at the same time and really kind of cutting my teeth with like the best of them. And then, Mm. you know, it was history from there. And I don't think I've played a personal game in so long, mostly because scheduling is a nightmare. Uh, It only gets harder. (laughs)
1: It only gets harder. Yeah, it does it does and whenever you get involved in ttrpgs your involvement in your own ttrpgs diminishes like yeah. considerably oh, yeah uh, that, it's like some... a very
0: common theme among ourselves and our guests that oh, every, yeah. once yeah. you start getting into the world of ttrpgs the actual number of ttrpgs you play for fun drastically decreases
2: oh because mm. you know when someone is being like told to be somewhere to, and they, and people are depending on them and it's being shot, then they will not flake on it. But when I'm like, Hey y'all let's, uh, let's go here. (laughs) Then, you know, someone's tired from work. Someone's this, (laughs) you know, there's, there's, there's more stakes. So it's harder to get these dropouts. It it was real Mm, fun. The the last one I had was Was really, really, it was a really strong group because we were all improvisers. So it really was such a fun, yes, Andy table. But with UCB out here, the Upright Citizens Brigade, you know, Mm -hmm. Herald season comes around where they make the Herald teams and the mess hall teams. And then all of a sudden, people have to schedule when they're practicing with their teams and when they have their shows. So like as we were we were so solid, we had those Sunday nights locked, but Mess Hall was on Sunday <laughs> nights. So as soon as it, it was all it took was one one audition season, a couple folks got on and it was history. <laughs> that that group yeah, was cooked.
1: Man. Yeah, that's sad. Brutal. That is very sad. But it again absolutely seems to fit the fit the theme. Of like yeah. all of our guests and stuff. Oh yeah. I wonder if uh, just to go back a little bit because I'm I'm always fascinated. Like, was there any like animes, mangas, uh, video games other than like Final Fantasy VII that like really stuck out for you like when you were younger? Like, is there anything that just really has like maybe inspired like nerdy or fantasy stuff that you've been involved with or you know is there anything you can think of? that's like oh yeah, that's had like an effect on my life because I definitely feel like. Final Fantasy X, for instance, yeah. and like is like uh, loads of the shit that I now create. I feel like I pull, st- I still pull stuff from Final Fantasy 10 because I played so many hours of that game.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I think, you know, I was a big DBZ guy, you know, mm. not at all. Uh, you know, yeah. anything that had dudes that were scrappy and they were throwing hands, which yeah, makes punching sense. Punching dudes because, through yeah. mountains,
1: then yeah, I'm always, <laughs> I've always
2: wanted to just be just a big, strong person. And I, and I, I remember, because like, because I'm a big, you know, kind of muscular guy, everyone's mm. like, yeah, you just, you just kind of do yourself. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. I kind of like b- this archetype is, <laughs> I, I think me. is a great <laughs> for a life lifestyle and for being in an RPG because mm. I, the first time it was ever really called out to me was, I remember a uh, runescape. I used to play with my best friend Whoa. and he would always Yo. make, you know the the like a women a woman character with like long hair and I was like oh man I was like uh what like why what made you like choose that and he was like oh just because like I wanna be something different than I am and he was mm-hmm. like he was like you always seem to make yourself I was like yeah I think <laughs> I I think I just want to put myself in those shoes. So mm-hmm. I think now with a lot of the choices I make because of that way i play because i feel like i've played early on a lot of rpgs in a very like sim type way where it's like i put myself mm. in that situation i try and do things that i think i would do and it just mm. kind of make it makes it easier to react and then i think right around um like when uh, vox Moronica. I kind of started switching it up to be like, okay, what's like the funniest version of that? And mm. so that's where you got, uh, got you know, money talks, bullshit walks. And then, <laughs> you know, I got to um, uh, D20 and I was like, okay, what is more interesting for the game? So it like started off like as a sim, then it evolved into like the funniest thing. And now like yeah. I truly... Try and play like I play, we used to play League, where I'm like, I'll just fill. What do I feel like this party needs? I'm a, I'm a fill that slot. And when we were making up the team for D20, and Brennan was basically like, this is the villains from Lord of the Rings. And he like mentioned, he was like, there was that like one human uh, who was like with him. And it was always like, what's his deal? And I was like, yeah. I was like, that seems like a very fun dynamic. Place to be is this Mm. person who is a human amongst all these essentially monsters, and Mm -hmm. like what 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 he did, and I think Brennan had a good way of bringing it up with you know the conversations with uh, with Marcus's brother and that and kind of like pulling that forward and. And so that's kind of been my new thing is like, what is going to add a level of dynamic to the party? So like when we did Invitation to Party, uh, you know, I knew that Fiona was going to be pretty tanky uh, and and uh, we had Frost who was she was. gonna be this like super dope rogue and it just seemed like the way that the stats shook out it just was the thing where she just got the stellar stats and everyone had like these like blind spots i was like well you're probably gonna naturally be like the one with the wits and Mm. and casim he went with the warlock so i was like okay we have you know we have the wild magic we have that honestly Mm. in in If I was really playing to, to like Phil, I probably would have been like a, like a more physical, like a fighter or barbarian. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I was like, there's something that everyone has always wanted me to play and I've never played it. I'm going to be the bard. And so I went with the bard. Uh, and then, uh, and then died.
0: Yeah, spoiler. Yep. <laughs> I, I, yeah.
2: I, I died. Uh, but it, be, it, it was fun because now I can finally, because everyone's like, Why? It felt like they're like, it, it worked with the story, but like they let you die. Like, what happened? And it was because <laughs> I got into the Twisted Metal writers' room and I was unable to make the shows, um, but also it what what. It was great for two reasons. I think one, because, you know, we had Xander by then and Xander was such a solid, good placement, amazing mm-hmm. player. And I think, mm-hmm. two, uh, it made the world a little more gritty and real because I think, yeah. you know, we have a lot of these live plays with these casts and y- and sometimes, you know, these casts they survive everything because they kind of yep. they kind of have to, you know, and Yeah. like that's why it always causes such a stir when you get these like weird power hungry DMs who talk about killing people's characters <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. they made a mistake in the game that they built because it's like. If you're, if you really have a player who's passionate about his character, there's so much backstory and everything that they've probably Mm -hmm. written. And if they haven't written, they're doing it on the side. So because of that, you know, you, you don't want to be, you know, super grimdark unless it's agreed upon, you know, early, you know, early in the game. So, uh. Yeah, so naturally, yeah, it, people were kind of curious of like, well, were you fired? Or I was like, no, I just booked <laughs> a thing, and it
1: they, the gracious
2: way was to let me get fucked up and have this, like, super emotional dynamic episode that now, yeah. when people's health get low,
0: the people audience get is like,
2: oh, yeah, be, exactly. yeah. add they sticks. might die.
0: Yeah, stakes, for sure. Exactly. It it's the sticks. Game of Thrones. You were the Ned Stark yeah. Then, oh yeah. Like, yeah. and ever since then it's yeah. like oh dang all bets are off anybody yeah. can die. Yeah, anybody yeah, and can die. I think other
1: shows have taken that forward as well. So it's up the stakes for other shows now cuz mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't feel like anyone is safe now even though this isn't Game of Thrones. Uh yeah, absolutely. That's uh having it was it's quite funny as well that you were saying how, you know, sort of going for a like uh, a character that you felt like, you know, you wanted to fill for um escape from the blood keep because uh, I genuinely think as soon as you like, see the name I was like oh if he's just gone for like the blackest possible name that he could yeah. like it's so, <laughs> I love it so much you've got oh, yeah. like effing soak bar Leyland <laughs> uh, L- like Lilith and then Marcus St. Vincent like, oh, so, yeah. like, oh, yeah. so you stop good. short of
0: dumb Marcus St. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was going to say that's the only, thing. That's oh, yeah, the that's only not, thing that is something you know that not only I bring to to TTRPG, but even like creative endeavors and why I love things like uh, Into the Motherlands is because something I've learned that even outside of TTRPG, uh, in the improv community, I was an all-black, I'm still on the team, but the name changed, but (laughs) I'm I'm on an all-black improv team, and at the time we were called white women, but now we're the big team, but we're an (laughs) all-black improv team, and like, you know, improv is, you know, traditionally and typically white. So you would have this team. And when we got together, it changed the game, because when you're doing improv comedy and even like TV writing at times, you have to speak two languages. You speak, you know, your own Mm -hmm. language that you grew up, you know, with all your knowledge about all the black shit that goes on. Um, and, and you need to speak, you know, the white language, you need to know their references, especially something as reference heavy as improv. If you don't tap in and know what's going on in the white world and the thing that things that they grew up on and cared about, you're (laughs) going to flounder because someone's going to like mention it or do it. And you're not going to know what they're talking about. And you're just going to feel, you know, out of place. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. You know, if if I go into a scene and do a reference to Martin and they don't know I'm the asshole because they're like, <laughs> how were we supposed to know that? And you're like, <laughs> well, how was I? You know, it was like it's very interesting that it, it it kind of presented itself. But I think in the end, it actually helps because not only do you, can you it just makes your your horizon so broad that. You can speak to all the languages and it makes you that much more dynamic. But because of that, when we made white women and we came together, we had this show that was like super black, but also playing, doing comedies in the language that they understand. So even though we would Mm -hmm. make, you know, references of Montel and Martin, and I feel like, you know, if you are into comedy, you should have at least a cursory, you know, broad stroke knowledge of Martin. Like we were doing this, these like super black references and it was like doing really well, but then we would cut and we would do like super white references. And then it would do, so it was like almost amazing in a way to see like these black dudes who are like doing their own thing while still doing their thing and like crushing at it. But my favorite thing was, you know, after a while of doing it sometimes after a show you'd have we'd have a like black person come up and be like hey man i didn't you know i was coming through to see if I should take classes here, because you know I never see or hear of any black people at UCB, yeah. but now I saw y'all, mm-hmm. and I want to take classes here. Which I mean, they should have cut us a check. But anyway, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you should have gotten paid for that, we, man. We, we've got, we've got a, you know, we got enough. Uh, we, we, we did, you know, get some love from just being there, not money monetarily, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, in in many ways, I feel like you know uh, them. They really supported us, and through that, we were able to do a bunch of cool stuff. But Yeah. Um, you know, and kind of having that experience, I kind of wanted to take that into, you know, TTRPG and the things I create. So, you know, you have... A lot of uh, people, especially white people, who like to tap into, you know, their heritage,
1: you know, Irish heritage, yeah. Vikings, King Scottish. King is in every you know, goddamn TNT RPG, yeah. right? Like King yeah, exactly. Arthur and Merlin Arena somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and
2: it's always like the backdrop. So I like to, uh, to use a weird tech bro term, disrupt that, by... You know, placing black people in those worlds with black names and things because, you know, shout out to you, every time I have a conversation like this, I always got a uh, shout out medieval POC. Uh They've been yeah, holding it down yeah. since Tumblr, but black people were around in those times. So that's why it's so funny when you see these nerds mm. freaking out about uh J.R.R. Tolkien's vision by adding black one. It was oh. like, look. If anything, Man. that's the vision you want to because, because you, you know, we, you can either live life two ways. Either you're saying that J.R.R. didn't know enough about his source material to understand that black people did exist in medieval times or that he mm-hmm. made the active choice to exclude people of color and then add super dark, ugly orcs. So you choose. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. those are your two yeah, options, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 and that's yeah. not to say like we can't enjoy the worlds he created and things like that. But I think we can't. Like, there's so many times that we, we're. I think we become too quick to excuse people because we've the had hell, to yeah. and not we, I mean the royal we, and by the royal we I mean like <laughs> white people, uh have had to excuse, you know, <laughs> shitty family members, which like I'm never gonna mm-hmm. clock. You know, that's family. You're gonna hold it down, but you're always gonna be like they were an element of their time. They're like da 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 da. Rod yeah, Sterling yeah. in the times of Twilight Zone, before we even went to the moon, was 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 was, was anti racism. He created the Twilight Zone to tap into racism and ideals, and he had to use aliens and mystery to do that. So if he's doing that on a platform as big as TV, I don't think we can buy the product of the time. I think we're seeing it, you know, even now. Think of when we were young and naive. I remember, you know— being being in high school and being like, what would I do in the civil rights movement? And we have our many civil rights movement now. And you're seeing a lot of people fighting for excuses. And it's not even mm. I don't think it's e- anything nefarious. It's just people at its heart, at their heart, fear conflict. And it's yeah, it's it's conflict.
0: And when they're in a
2: system, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like we can't go uh, a, against mm. the the status quo because it's scary because mm. we don't know what's yeah. beyond that. We at least even when you can admit that the status quo is flawed, at least it's flawed in a way, you know, but you take you know, you change that up. It's it gets real scary. So mm. so it's yeah. it, it, it it really is like the thing where it's like, no, you can't have a backdrop where you add in so many diverse cultures, especially when you like actually look at the history, when you actually look Mm -hmm. at it, the richest man in the world was Mansa Musa. Still adjusted for inflation. He's still out there. Yeah. So like you, 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 you don't think that that's the richest man in the world didn't have folks that made it their way (laughs) up to Europe. You, you, you're not going to like create, you know, these warriors in these like nice colorful garb, you know? So, mm-hmm. so it truly is, you I know. think I
1: found a, I think I found a. Uh, I think I sent it to you, Jeremy. There was a, uh, one of the most successful like Roman emperors of like all time was a black guy from like, I think he was from North Africa, but like he kind of gets forgotten because he's, you know, he
0: was, uh, a was he like born... later period? Like after they had split into the two kingdoms? I think so. I, I will, I
1: will endeavor to find the, uh, the particular mm-hmm. Roman that I was, <laughs> that I was referencing, but yeah, uh,
0: I was having a conversation with, uh, a YouTuber named legal kimchi. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, the last week and he's doing a video uh, and one of the major subjects of the video is the p- people of color throughout history and the level of erasure that has taken place. Cause he's talking oh, about yeah. uh, a lot of the, mm. the Tolkien stuff. And one thing that he said, which I'd only seen, I'd seen a glimpse of, I realized later, which is that uh, when the Romans were fighting in Britannia, they would typically uh, take people from, they would not usually take uh, soldiers that were from a region to fight people in that region because they're like, well, these people will probably have an internal conflict fighting their own former countrymen. So they would send them to other parts of the world to fight other groups of people. And one of those groups were, uh, black Africans who were sent up to Britannia to fight, uh, the Britons. And after the fall of the Roman empire, some of them just stayed there. And so there were black people in Britain before the Saxons arrived. And I think it was in York specifically, or in maybe in Yorkshire, there's a specific surname of people where they, they did a DNA test and they have actual black ancestry in them like that it's like a weirdly unusual nickname See? uh See? Or, excuse me uh, surname but that's yeah and I found the, in the in the Jorvik Viking Center which is in York they have uh it's basically just all about the Vikings and the, ty- the time the Vikings and stuff in York they have the skeleton of a black person who was in York like he but they're like yeah this guy came from Africa and I was at the time I was like why did this guy come to York uh, now, <laughs> Yeah, now places. I understand the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. where the white <laughs> yeah. maidens at
2: exactly <laughs> See, that's that's my pitch for my new uh blazing saddles where it takes place
1: <laughs> blazing helmets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, man, I love that. Yeah, but I think it, you you know, you raise a good point that we talk we've talked about on this uh, on the show before, which is that like we're also dealing with uh we're also dealing with fantasy here. Like we're also dealing yeah. with a uh, a world in which we have uh, orcs and elves, and you know, uh, I, I don't want to, I hate to break through to people, but like those aren't real. Like, you know what I mean? We, we someone's made them up and they're based on something, um, you know, they're probably based on like a culture or something, but generally they are, you know, uh, these are all fictional uh, creations, and the, the idea that certain uh that they can 't um, look a certain way or behave a certain way or uh, or have you know their own culture or whatever is is just frankly the most ludicrous suggestion uh ever mm-hmm. and, and honestly i'd be honest I like fed i like was like feed, like the day that they announced like the, the like uh like the cast for the new, like, Lord of the Rings with all the posters and everything, and there was, like, that black woman uh, with, like, uh, who was an elf. I was, like, feeding off of this, like, people (laughs) just getting angry, and I was just like, man, your lives must be so sad if this is something that you can feel this vexed about. Like, I'll be honest, I'm tired. Like, it would take me, it would take a lot for me to be this angry. About something. You know what I mean? Like, it is genuinely yeah. impressive to me that you woke up this morning and you had enough caffeine in your system and time in your day to draft out this essay as to why black people shouldn't be in lord of the rings like it is i'm like I, i'm like okay you do you man i mean if you've got time for that like jesus that is wild i don't have time for that like no matter how vexed i am
0: <laughs> i saw somebody on facebook trying to make like a biological argument at one point Ooh. as to why dwarves shouldn't have dark skin because i was like my guy have you looked at uh. the dragons those dragons shouldn't <laughs> be able to fly like, it is, it's, yeah. <laughs> look, sure, there's a certain basis of reality, but it, after a certain point, it's it's essentially just biases, <laughs> unquestioned biases uh, being spat out without having really thought th- things through.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And
0: it also ties into like, that over identification with fandoms, like where people where a person who is a fan of something, it becomes part of their identity to such a degree that any change to it feels like a personal attack. Uh, and that's yeah. yeah. It's, it's that's a, mess. a that's a problem.
1: That's a problem. The big question I have about black dwarves, though, is a hundred percent. Like, how tight knit are we? Are these beards going to be? You know what I mean? Because black people we've got that slightly different beard, right? It's slightly thicker. It's not this loose, big, yeah. flowy, hangy Gandalf beard. Do you know what I mean? We got like we got an Afro going on, like, you know, and so I'm like, are we gonna are we gonna keep that? Are we gonna get braided black beards? Cause I don't know if that, I don't know how possible that is.
0: Will we see them
1: forging a metal afro pick? Yes. Like
0: uh, like in the Fires. It would be yeah. essential, right? You would need yeah. that. You would need that shit. Like uh In the beard. Uh, not in the not in the not in the head hair. In the beard. No,
1: that's in the, the beard. We'd need the Afro pick in the beard. Absolutely. Um oh, yeah. just to uh just because uh, like we always like to do a bit of uh you know advice and, and stuff like this. Uh do you A, do you have any like favored classes or uh species slash races that you like playing? Uh like what if you had to make a character right now, like what would you make?
2: Oh, that's good. Um, I mean, I've, I, I. That's the fun thing about like what you like to play and what you've played is because mm. you do kind of want to have this like diverse resume that people can watch. <laughs> yes. But if, if I had it my way, I'd always play barbarians because I like to. Because <laughs> that's wrong. Play yeah. with the the idea of that emotion right because barbarians rely on their Mm. rage for their strength so what does that look like when you're not fighting what is what is is? are you playing someone who is out of control of their emotion or are you playing with someone Mm. who is in such deep control of their emotion that yeah when they want to rage they trigger rage you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. and uh, I think you know um, Gabe does a real good job of like always tweeting some like Some like I feel like gold ideas, because I think that, you know, to even think back on like the Tolkien of it all and the nerds that freak out about that or the nerds who freak out at like the the wokeifying the rules is that there's this idea that there's this like binary and how you have to play. It's like, look, if you want to play this weirdo game where like your race intrinsically makes you evil. Then go, but out of all the games I've played, y'all don't even want to do that. Everyone wants to no. make a, yeah. I mean, a tiefling who who like who like has joined yeah. the band and all that. It's like yeah, it's I want to like, be drizzed. Yeah, yeah you know, like, be exactly. So I want to
0: be stereotypical drought. Yeah, everyone
2: yeah. wants to. Everyone wants to take these. You know. These evil-coded characters and make them not evil. So I don't know why it's. Look at Escape from Bloodkeep. (laughs)
1: Like as a perfect example, right?
2: Yeah, like, like, so I don't. I don't know, but I'm based I'm sure there are just some horrible games I just never get to see only when they appear on TTRPG Twitter or on the D&D subreddit of like a nightmare experience, because Mm. it it really does feel like some people just like just have some aggression. They need to work out and they try and use D&D for it in a weird way. Uh, But, you know, um, but because of that, I say that to say, like, because you're playing a barbarian doesn't mean they have to be dumb O fish mm-hmm. and yes. like, ready To go like if you Really think about it a barbarian is someone Who has complete absolute control Over their emotions
0: because you're Able mm-hmm. to look to your DM and say I rage And
1: yeah, with with you can clarity. just trigger
0: your own You can trigger your own and not just like Emotions a physiological response It's yeah. not like you're like man I'm mad about This yeah, trigger yeah, no, you trigger a full on are, like adrenaline Rush yeah. Yeah. you go like, into you mom are, Pulling the car off her child mode
2: Yeah, Mm. like truly, Mm. truly, like think of how – much control you need to be able to do that so you know that's that's, that's the fun I like to uh, have and I think we should all have is you know I think it just comes from that improv saying play to the top of your intelligence you know you don't need the book to tell you exactly how to play you just mm-hmm. uh, what's the best way you can explore this that's going to create dynamic interactions and stories
1: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I, my favorite Bob Aaron I've, I've played uh, I, I did it for like a, a two shot thing we did a little while ago uh, and I renamed it Bl- blood fury instead of rage and it was basically like he just goes into like a hyper focus mode uh, where he's like all I will only kill things do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I like. If you stand in front of me, you're gonna guess less enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was great fun to not play. It. You know, it was like a very like calm, just like old dude who was just like, I know how to kill things, <laughs> and this yeah. is how yeah. I do it. And it was so much fun to not like, yeah, like you said, to not play that kind of like, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna just like lose my rag and start smashing things or whatever. Like he probably was like calmer, weirdly, you know, after he yeah. went into a rage and was just like. I now know my task and I will complete it. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's it's really, really, really good fun.
0: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
2: There really is no place like home.
1: One of the things that is very fascinating about you is you've held a lot of different jobs, right? Like, you've done a lot of different things. You're a writer, performer, comedian, um, you know, and, like, I'm very fascinated whenever we have people on the show who do, like, you know, more than one thing, right? And I want to know, like, how much of that is... um, You know, like from my experience, I know as like a person of color, especially it's like informed, I think, how much stuff I do. Because I tend to be like, you know what, like I'm not the kind of person that's normally in this room. So I'm going to say yes to everything and then figure out afterwards. You know what I mean? I'm wondering if it's like that or if it's just like, Mm. no, I'm fucking good at all these things. And these are all the things I love doing. So I'm going to do them. Uh, Yeah. Like what has that uh, journey been like for you?
2: I think it's a combination of both those things. Right. Especially Mm. because it, it, it gets scary at first. Because you have people yeah. who come here and, you know, they do one thing, they stick to their lane. And so when you're kind of like uh, the, the jack of all trades and you're bouncing around, you might see the people who stick to one lane, you know, kind of moving in a forward trajectory much faster than you are, especially I think one of the most common juggles for me is uh, going from writing to acting, to writing, to acting. And so you'll see, you know, people who just kind of, you know, lily pad and bounce from that. But that's why, you know, comparison is the uh, death of joy or whatever, however you say that, because, (laughs) you know, you're, you're, you know, especially like right now, if you're just kind of like scrolling through, you're seeing like a lot of announcements for me. You're seeing a lot of wins, and so yeah, don't like, compare oh. yourself
1: to if yeah. man. I did and that for very- like ten <laughs> minutes, and was like, ah, man, I gotta fucking give up. There's no point, man. Yeah. This guy's yeah, doing everything. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and, and 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 you're just looking, and you're like, oh man. And I think you don't want to do that for two reasons. One, I feel like the moment you start comparing yourself, the more the more your mind starts to try and convince you that there's only one spot, that there's only room for one. If anything, yeah, uh, you should be happy that you know your peers are getting work because that is yes. one less job they can't take from you because they're now busy now, now <laughs> yeah, they're, they're busy, busy now that done they're busy <laughs> and now that the you know but it really is that especially you, you know um Someone like me who likes to like champion other folks where like if there is something offered to me that I feel like I can't do, I never just say no. I always say Mm -hmm. no with a recommendation because, you know, I feel and I feel like this is changing. But, you know, back when I was starting up, it felt like if I said no, I would look and now that project has like a white dude. Like they, like you were the Mm. black person they were, they were thinking to reach Mm. out to. And Mm. they now, after hearing you say no, feel comfortable just giving it to another white person because they're like, well, we tried and this one isn't, you know, available and, you know. On one hand, you could be like, try harder. On the other hand, you're like, well, what can I do to make them make their job easier? And I think the easiest thing you could do is like, no, I can't do it. But I think you should really put this person on. They're great. Mm -hmm. I think they'll bring a lot of fun to it, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, send along some clips. And, you, you know, and I love when I hear that that person did get it. Because, yeah, a lot of times... It's just that people don't know. And a lot of, there there are a lot of names on a, there's a long list with a lot of names. And sometimes it it just so shakes out for some reason that, you know, your exceptional BIPOCs are up top. And then there's a bunch of white people, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything about their skill level. I'm just saying that, you know, that's who's on the short list. And then when the bottom of the barrel are like these like, up and coming scrappy BIPOCs who like all it (laughs) might've taken was just a, a like word of recommendation where they're like, well, if if he's fucking with this person, then yeah, we got to give him a shot, Mm. you
0: know, because we love Mm it. It's about sending the elevator down for the other people.
2: Yeah. Cause I feel like there was this idea even on the top end of it, right. Where it felt like, well, if I, if I, you know, suggest this person and then they hire him, then what if they start just going to them? And it's like, Mm. to me, I'm like, that's fine. I, 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 I'm with me is I'm going to put on the, the, the people who I'm going to champion folks, because to me, it's not scary. The idea of like someone, you know, surpassing me. And then hiring me, like that's what we call a leapfrog baby, you know. Like, so yeah, yeah. I think there's, you know, all all creative arts are gonna have, you know, ego. You you mm. you're attached to it. It's it's what allows you to be creative, and it's managing that ego that kind of helps you go further. But it's it's the least talked about thing because I think it's such mm-hmm. the act of going in front. I mean, like, you know, there are people who, who like, you know, look at the simple act of a podcast where they're like, y'all put your voice on the podcast and let <laughs> yeah. people listen to you. And like, they, like that freaks them out. And mm-hmm. like, you know, cause you know, on my other podcast we'll have um, people can call in and you'll have people who write because they don't want their yeah. voice. Wanna, uh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you know, I'm not more power to y'all. I'm not I'm not saying I'm just saying like, you know, it makes me it humbles me a bit to be like, oh, yeah, this is like a wild thing. You know, we would see it in sitcoms growing up of like someone's about to go on TV and they're like the whole world is watching and then they get scared. I've never. Yeah. Uh, felt that felt
1: like i i that. yeah that's, that's, yeah like I, 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 I'm,
2: I am so thirsty for attention that i'm like good
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah good turn the sound up <laughs> you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. i guess, i definitely get it. i remember i used to yeah. i remember like going on stage we did a, a show down in brighton and it was like there was like three and a half four thousand people in the audience like live in the audience and i remember being like I remember getting out and loads of people were like, oh my God, like this is about to happen. And I was like, let's do it. Like I just got so (laughs) unreasonably hyped because I was like, this is going to be sick. Like, what are you talking about? Like who gets to perform in front of like this many people? And it was like at the end, like the applause. I was like, I felt like a freaking, I felt like Kanye for a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. was like, Oh, this, this is just, what we play for. I, uh, this yeah, is why you yes. do it in
0: the first place. Absolutely. Yes. This is
1: the whole thing. This is the whole job. Um, just to cycle back though. Cause I think you've, you've hit on something that's really key. Right. Which is that I think maybe even as, even as, as black people, we don't acknowledge this uh, enough sometimes, which is that like, there just isn't the infrastructure in place for other uh, BIPOC people to come up. You know, like the infrastructure that is there for white people. And this is absolutely not a criticism of anyone who uses said infrastructure to get there. Like, absolutely. I would encourage everyone to use whatever you can to to get, like, you know, to where you want to be. If you're good at what you do, then go, you know, go do it. But it doesn't exist. Like, it, there's not the same opportunities at, like, a starting out level. Like, as a writer, there's not as many, you know, if you if you don't come from, like, an affluent family or whatever, it's probably harder to get into, like, a, you know, like, writing classes and, and all that kind of thing, which leads you to studying it and etc and I think maybe we get to a point sometimes where we're like oh I need to realize that like that person down there who is like, like you said, like kind of scrappy and is out here doing it and trying to make the best, just straight up didn't have the opportunities that some of these folks in that kind of middle of the shortlist have had. They're actually mm-hmm. experience-wise at exactly the same level. Like, they've been working for the same amount of years. They've done very similar jobs. It's just that they've got like a few extra little ticks on their CV, which say like studied here or like, you know, mm-hmm. spent a summer camp, you know, that cost like five grand doing this. You know what I mean? And I think that that. That's something that like often gets forgotten when we have that conversation about like sending the elevator back down and like that I think you're absolutely right like there is a, an onus I think on being like oh shit we need to like realize that you know that oh, yeah. infrastructure isn't there so maybe I can drop a rope and, and you know like hoist mm-hmm. them up you you're, know you're,
2: you're so right and I think you know the the way I kind of look at I'm since I have my toe in so many different things it's interesting to see how similar they all are you know between you know stand-up mm. comedy improv comedy acting it's impressive writing, you have that many toes to be honest my dude like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's so, like, there's yeah. so many yeah, toes yeah, it's, man it's, it, it looks real creepy when you toes. see them <laughs> like stretched out and they go into stretching different out into yeah. all these
1: different pies it's it's <laughs> yeah. kind of odd but you know his uh, only like fans like man tentacles. is doing really really well yeah, yeah, it's doing <laughs> it's, it's truly pies, what's keeping me floating yeah
2: but yeah it is this it's kind of this the, f- the thing about systemic issues is that – and I think what really scares white people about it is when you bring it up, it kind of will f- sometimes feel like you're saying they didn't earn it or this. And it's not to say that. It's to say that there is a system that works for you but not for everyone else. And mm-hmm. the way I've seen that is just l- like – Like a lot of, you you know, you have a lot of TV writers who come from Ivy Leagues like Harvard and stuff because of the National Lampoon system. Now, that is something I think about so often because the steps for you to go through that, to go in National Lampoon and to be in a writer's room is like, that is so many hills that you have to do as a person of color. First, you have to be accepted into Harvard. Step mm-hmm. two, you've made it into Harvard. Now you convince this longstanding white comedy magazine to let yeah. you uh, write for it.
1: And, yeah. and probably present them with a bunch of stuff that they haven't really seen for a long time yeah. or haven't ever seen at all. You know, if you're bringing uh, essentially like, you know, a more uh, different kind of comedy or a different kind of, you know, uh, a voice, that's probably going to scare some people, right? 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say. There is, you know, before
2: I've gotten confident, you know, like right now I can go into a room and pitch and know that if my pitch cracks me up, it cracks me up. If it doesn't fit for the story, it doesn't fit for the story. But I know that, you know, like I'm confident that like what I'm saying is funny. That shit was funny. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But when you're starting, you're kind of like this kind of like potato where you're like you're you're waiting like like a like a mold of clay and you're waiting to get like you know molded and you really you're you're in a room with these people you perceive as giants because you know Mm -hmm. something you've worked so hard to do they've done it they're Mm -hmm. you know veterans at it and you know you'll have these moments where you know especially back when i started you are coming at it with like your sense of humor a black sense of humor and mm-hmm. because they don't get it they they try and make it seem like you, it just wasn't funny but it really wasn't yes. it really was the fact that they just don't get it and it wasn't until I had another like black writer come in who was a veteran who would fight for her jokes and who would and, and that's when I like learned the beauty of like explaining it and then like when you explain it and some people get it, like, especially if it's funny, they're going to laugh. So now mm-hmm. they either have to, you know, rock with it and be like, yeah, it was funny because you did make me but, laugh or mm-hmm. explain that they just didn't get it. Which no, you know, no one wants to be that guy who's like, I don't, I don't know what don't- it is. Um, I'm in a, like the rooms I'm in now are a lot better, a lot more. I mean, Grand Crew was a predominantly black room. So that was neat. But mm-hmm. even like Twisted Metal, we we have a lot of black folks in there. But even then, like, you know, everyone in that room is real good at just being like honest and being like, oh, what is that? You know, like no one is afraid mm-hmm. of of just being like, say that. And then the person will restate it, which also flips me out because it's like, yeah, that's all it took. Was just someone checking their ego and being like, okay, why is it funny? And then having the person explain it and then being like, oh, but because everyone mm-hmm. in that room wanted to feel like they were like the like sayers of what is funny and what isn't. Um, Mm. they, 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 they couldn't just be like, Oh, I I really don't get what this new kid's talking about. It it had to be like, this new kid must be doing it.
1: I just going to say, it reminds me actually, because we connected through uh, a Twitter space that you, that you Mm -hmm. did. And I, and I spoke on that and I, it reminds me a lot of, uh, like right now, um, I'm helming like an Afrofuturism project for quite a big uh, uh, company, you know, and it's a very new area for them. And then a lot of the producers are are white and it's very interesting now because I think I came in with a certain degree of confidence, like you said, and I wasn't kind of afraid to explain everything and to kind of like do a bit of handholding. You know, I've now feel like I've got to a point where like, oh, I'm really like in this room having this conversation about Mm. this and we're working out how we're gonna like proceed with something that could be, you know, pretty new and original for like you know th- this particular organization, and I think that's like a, I think that's definitely like you're right, like it comes with like time and confidence, and um, I don't know about you, but like I, I feel like it, work begets work, right? Which is kind of like a bit of a crappy thing to say, but like. I feel like even just doing like this podcast, for instance, improved my confidence so much. Like my strike rate on just like getting acting jobs has improved since doing this podcast because I'm just Mm. out here every week just talking and vocalizing and kind of, you know, standing by what I have to say and like having something to say. And like it, it all builds up your like confidence in the creative space, which I think ultimately then, like you said, when you walk into a room, you kind of like, oh, I know, I, I feel confident in what I'm doing. Like, I know that if, if I don't get this, it's not that I'm necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just like, I, well, maybe I wasn't right for this thing. Whereas before, when you start out and you're that little potato or whatever, you know, you're like, oh no, I'm a, I'm a just a little potato. I'm gonna get squashed here or something. And it's, I'm just it's a little it tater. Feel, I'm just a little tater tot, and it feels scary. You know what I mean? It feels like, ah, oh, this, this feels like it could be a bit overwhelming, uh, perhaps. So. I I can absolutely uh, attest to that like sensation and how and how it's a confidence game. Like I really do think it's a confidence game. Mm. Oh yeah, it really is because
2: you know it is the same psychology behind the um, the the like like any type of business interaction. Like some 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 of the things. Like when I think of back then, there's so mu- so much more you know to it. Th- then just like them not understanding, like they didn't understand mm-hmm. I'm a new writer, you know, like there were, there was just so much going against me in that. And, and so like to flip it and like, now I do have, you know, credits under my name. I do, you know, I mm-hmm. do have the confidence mm-hmm. to kind of say how I feel and what I want. Um, you know, like, it's very easy to be like, okay, yeah, if he knows what he's talking about.
1: I'd love to, because um, you've been doing uh, some stuff over at G4TV as well, some, I saw you doing some, uh, some proper proper acting with uh, like B-Dave uh, and the crew as well. I see some see, see some clips out there. What's that like doing a kind of slightly more, like a slightly different format to TTRPGs when you have these kind of big, kind of like, um, almost like set piece scenes, right? Like these really kind yeah. of very RP role play heavy uh uh moments Uh, because i mean i'll be honest as an actor i look on and i'm like i am so jealous of you and like you and b Dave and stuff when (laughs) you're in those i'm like oh give me that like give me like it's so like it's like that's the shit right there so yeah how is it for you guys and 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 just how does it come about like setting that kind of those you know how does it feel setting those kind of scenes up and 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 going into them so like yeah that That was, I think the scariest aspect of it
2: because as the player and an actor, yeah, that was super fun to me, but it seemed so different that I didn't know how it was going to be received. Like I didn't, and also it was very important on how we play, you know, we played it and what was real good was everyone involved kind of knew that. So we knew we were going to have to adjust as we went to see, have it feel good. But I think it also helped that, you know, TTRPGs have gotten to this point where that has kind of been desired you know like you know how many mm-hmm. times have you been watching an actual play and you're like man this sounds so good but like that person's on that side of the table that person's on that side of the table you just wish that even if that they were closer so that this conversation mm-hmm. and interaction could mm-hmm. be more intimate and so now we we you you get to this point where it's like, no, we're like, like we're going to explore that. We're going to see what that looks like. And, and it really does change. You know, I've, um, it was really easy to tap into the Thorby episodes when, you know, that, that those flashbacks and really get sad about it because you know, you're, you're across from the person and you are, you're like, you and you're just kind of feeling the emotions and like in, in a way I really was leaving mm. too. So like you're able to tap into that and you can really amp up the emotions in the performance. So mm. it's it, mm. it's been really fun. And I think, you know, even after I left, they just stepped it up every episode and just that clip of Xander getting mind flayed. Oh, and the like mind flayed yeah, clip. That was Whoa. great. Whoa, it, it it's was, so... It was, yeah amazing it, it, it was like yeah we it 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 was it slaps really yeah it's it's great it makes me so well proud i think to it's it be a part of that
1: it's something that like i don't know like maybe it's something that like non i, I don't know hopefully i feel like most people who've played TTRPG will have had this to some degree but i do feel like there is absolutely something so different about acting out a scene even when you just like remove the table And there is something very like exposing as an actor when it's just like you on a stage and you've got another actor opposite you and there is a real... like it's When you've got a table in between and like stuff, I feel like there's like a... You can drop the ball and it's okay. It won't land on the floor. It will land on the table kind of thing. And someone else can pick it back up. You know, whereas when you're on stage and like someone drops the ball, like you hear it. You know what I mean? You can feel it. (laughs) And so I think there's something so... There is something so different, you're right, about when you're like in that moment together and there's nothing in between you. It's just you guys generating this scene or whatever it is, you know, keeping the scene alive, keeping the tensions, like the tension going, keeping the pacing going. Um, it, it, it feels it's it, like, it genuinely feels intoxicating. Like uh, the reason why I brought it up was cause I like, generally watched those clips and was like, I can feel it. Like I can genuinely, like, uh, like as an actor, I feel like I can feel the tension that exists in this scene because you are like, in mm. in this uh, thing together, as opposed to just like you said, like sat across the table from each other, or you know, um, uh, or, or like on a Zoom or, or whatever else it is, you know, <laughs> some live, basically live theater uh, yeah. in the form, <laughs> yeah, in the form
0: of D and D. Oh
1: man, I'd love it. I'd love it so much. It'd be so good. So I think before we wrap up, uh, we have to, uh, we have to do the one thing we ask all of our guests, uh, which is that we, we need a tale from the table, uh, from Yiffy. So this basically can be just like a story or a, uh, thing that sticks out in your mind. Um, uh, from it can be a home game. It can be a recorded like live game, but just like a moment. And it can be something that's wild. It can be something that's funny. It could be something that's like sad. It can be something that's emotional. Literally whatever you want, uh, just like a, a moment or a or a, a, a beat uh, that that you like three really sticks out on your head for, for any reason at all.
2: Well, mm. this one, you know, mostly because uh, you know a lot of my you know table beats it can just be played. I want to give you some mm. some private table beats, oh, and I, I actually want to give you that, the, exclusive. <laughs> the the table beat of um, everyone has this. It is it, it almost it almost. But it is like my first experience with D anD D, and Mm. it goes with my first game, my first character ever. I was a Dragonborn Paladin, and there was a door. Damn! And I tried to break (laughs) down the door, and I kept (laughs) trying to break down the door, and I failed. New players versus (laughs) doors. And then the DM, as one of the NPCs I was fighting, opens the door and attacks me. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, you can open the door. He was like, you've never tried. <laughs> you, you walked up and said, I break down the door. You didn't say I try and open the door. I didn't, you you said, didn't try
1: the handle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, That's damn. amazing.
0: And then you get to oh. the experienced uh, TTRPG player whose character knows they could probably try and open the door, but I don't open doors. Yeah, uh, yeah you yeah, just yeah, keep yeah. trying to break it down anyway. I will
1: break it down I will break down the door. Um but no, that is that is amazing. did you get womped by this guy as well who's on the other side of the oh, door yeah, oh, like yeah. that. No, I definitely yeah, <laughs> the
2: paladin needed healing. When and that's when you know That's when you know <laughs> you're you know know really you in trouble. The shit.
1: Yeah, that's when you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Absolutely, I love as well the fact that you. Uh, this is probably the most unique first character I think we've had on the show. Nearly everyone is like a rogue or uh, you know whatever. Like you went straight in balls deep in a fucking dragonborn paladin. Like yeah. I, I have still, I've still only dipped a toe uh, in a paladin, let alone like picking it for my first character. I was terrified of that when I first started. I was like, what? Uh, so I'm a mixed. Marshal and spell. Ca- no, that sounds too complicated for me. I'm gonna be a rogue. I will stab the things, please. That's the easiest yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, um, I,
0: you gotta respect a man who starts with a paladin. Gotta respect. Oh yeah,
2: him. I know that. That was that was that was. You are correct. That is such a wild pick, <laughs> to be like, I'm going to just go ahead and uh, start off with uh, the Paladin. Uh,
1: like everything you do, like you're going big or you're going home and I exactly. uh, absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Uh, so, uh, ge- thank you so much, genuinely, for coming on the show. Uh, it's been awesome to get to talk to you and I'm uh, I'm hoping that we can do uh, some stuff together. We've got we to gotta drag you uh, kicking and streaming back to play some TTRPGs with us because it'd be so dope. <laughs> just um, let me know. For anyone who is living under a literal rock, uh, and is somehow, uh, listening to our show and doesn't know who you are, A, absolutely wild, uh, and B, please tell that person where they can find all of your stuff on the internet.
2: Ify Waddy Way, Twitter and Instagram, you'll be able to find whatever I'm up to and what I'm doing because I will be sure to post it there.
1: Also, by the way, check out, uh, he's um... Um, uh, album on uh, Spotify. I was listening to some earlier the community college dropout. I was dying. The story about your uh, African name and your dad is called Chris. Man, I was gassed. I was was absolutely howling, man. It was very, very funny. So I can definitely (laughs) recommend checking that out if you want to see some more Iffy because that was yeah, very, very funny. And if in the more likely scenario you're here because you were like, oh man, I love Iffy and Iffy's on this show called Three Black Halflings. What the hell is this show? Um, well, we uh, talk about uh, all things nerdy and uh, D&D. Uh, we uh, often talk about diversity and um, mm-hmm. inclusion in Dungeons and & Dragons. And we have actual plays, uh, the last of which was the Outlaws uh, was Outlaws and Obelisks, and it was fucking incredible. Uh, yeah. It was a, a North Africa-inspired post-apocalyptic Western. I mean, if that's not enough for you to want to listen, then I don't know what it is. Um, but Jeremy, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cobb one That's Cobb with two Bs and the number one. And Jesper, where can they find you?
1: And they can find me at, uh, JW underscore Cartwright. Uh, you can follow the show at three. That's the number three black halflings. We also have a Patreon check out patreon.com forward slash TV halflings. We just announced a new stretch goal for an outlaws and obelisks mini source book. Oh my God. It's so cool. There's so much cool stuff going on right now. Uh, but I will say one last time. Thank you so much to iffy for giving up, uh, your time to come on the show today. Uh, it was a blast to get to talk to you and, uh, hopefully we'll uh, chat to you soon. Uh, but that's yeah. all for us this week. Uh, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we will see you next week, Hofflings. So long, Shire
0: Folk! So long, Shire Folk.